I prefer conversations to altercations. Just don't piss me off. <laughs> I like that. Okay. This tan may be fake, but I always keep it real. Oh, you know why? Because it's so good because it's also your name. I know. You know I know. Because it's also <laughs> my <laughs> My backup was... This jawline may be fake. Thank you, Dr. Jen, but I always keep it real. <laughs> Wait, okay. Both of those were good. I do like how you made your selections, but I do want to know about Dr. Jen because <laughs> I feel like a lot of people have gone to her for like a, a jaw judge. Yes. A jaw judge. All of us Bravo gay boys have hit up Dr. Jen and she has transformed our faces. I mean, I don't, I know that, um, Steven faces by Bravo and then Jeff Epstein. Right, that's what I was thinking. They right, they both got it done um and they look incredible. I don't know if they got anything other than the jawline because when I went to Dr. Jen, I thought I was just getting a jawline and then she was like, "Oh babe, but like the botox and the under eye filler and let's fix that wonky lip filler you got like from a strip mall botox joint months ago." Like she literally read me for filth, but I was so happy and and pleased that she had the tools to fix everything so it was a great visit wouldn't it be bad though if she didn't she's a she's a doctor right exactly well once she like knows her stuff like she was explaining to me how she helped like the u.s government figure out ways to test for like nuclear poisoning and she like won an award for it and i was like okay if you can like handle nuclear warfare (laughs) You can handle my eyes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you guys, on that note, it's Andy's Girls. <laughs> it's episode, I don't know. I think it's 308. It could be 307. We could tap dance our way to 309. Couldn't tell you, but I'm so excited for a guest who I have been a fan of since BravoCon. Just so you guys know, I went to his producer's panel. You were there? Which was Oh, was I there? You've literally been, I'm not joking when I say you've been in my mind since 2019 because you were so good and the panel was so good. I think I may have, there was one panel that I went to where I had had like a single half a glass of wine and was absolutely obliterated and asked a question. I don't think it was that, there was a different producer's panel where I was like being very sassy. I don't know what the fuck was happening, but we were all drunk on Bravo. Anyway. All this to say, today's guest co-host, new guest on the People's People's Couch, even though I'm absolutely recording in the office, is someone that I'm so excited to have on today's show, senior TV reporter at Page6.com. Welcome to Andy's Girls, Evan Real. Evan, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be here today. I mean, I appreciate all the kind words because I am such a big fan of yours and what you do, I feel like really great news comes out of your podcast I mean when you did your live show with Kelly Ben Simone and Carol I think we like literally wrote like three or four stories from from what you did there and that was amazing the Kelly Ben Simone Anna Delvey of it all like I love it I, I love thinking about that first off I have to tell you that having read page six religiously since high school when I would sit at my and of course guys we're talking like mid aughts I'm a youth of absolute no mid mid teen aught teens whatever the children however old they were in <laughs> high school is how old I was but like literally I would stay up until 2 a.m 3 a.m for when the next day's 
page. And it was, it wasn't like new piece and then new piece. It was, you got all your info at once and then that was it. And then you had to wait until the next day. And I would wait in my bedroom in East Greenwich, Rhode Island, would stay up super late so that I could get my page six fixed. So when I saw the first piece covering AG, I lost my mind. Then a second, then it was printed. I was like, literally, Evan, I literally shit myself spiritually, not literally, <laughs> but literally spiritually, absolutely shit myself. <laughs> well, we like, we never know what's going to make it to print. Like we'll, we'll write stuff for the website. And then the print team was like, oh, that's good. We'll put it in print. So then you were the one to alert me that it was in print. And yeah. I was just so excited for you. I mean, are you like, are you going to frame that? Oh, it's, I, I will show you after the recording. It is literally framed. Yeah. Shout out to Fahim at my, at A&N Art Gallery on the Upper East Side. It's literally my hallway framed in gold. I love like, that. Screaming. It's a pregnant Rihanna. And then on Andy's girls, <laughs> Sarah Galley. It's insane. Listen, all this to say, I'm so excited to have you on as a human person, to have you on because of the magic that you do with page six. And um, I th just think your voice is so fabulous. And I just have to say shout out to that BravoCon panel, to anybody who was fortunate enough to attend because the way that you engaged, it was a producer's panel. So there was a producer, you're going to remember this. There was the there was the producer who escorted Kelly Ben Simone back from Scary Island on that panel. Producer panels from um, Beverly Hills, uh, I think it was an original producer from Orange County, Potomac, Atlanta. It was incredible. But I have to ask you, you know, going into that, was there something that you wanted answered or something that you were hoping that they would reveal? I mean, I was so nervous. So, <laughs> so it's so great to hear that you thought I did a good job. But yeah, I was so nervous. But of course, like I was ready to get all the tea. It, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this before from other people who've done panels at BravoCon, but it's definitely um, a collaborative effort with the question. <laughs> yes, so, yes it is. So there were, some, uh, there were some questions that were cut at the very last minute, mm -hmm. um, but I think I was just really excited to like hear from producers like their perspective of, of Scary Island and all these different iconic moments I was at the Hollywood Reporter at the time. And so I think that's why they chose me to do the producer panel because it was like a little bit more like industry, mm -hmm. like behind the scenes, which was really cool. I mean, I would have loved to have done something with like the housewives, but I actually, I don't know. I, I was grateful to have done the producer panel. I, I will say one of the things that I really wanted to talk about at the time was Garcelle had been announced as a cast member for Beverly Hills. And, you know, this was before the the movement in in 2020 and before this was really a topic of conversation but i wanted to talk about the importance of garcelle being the first black woman cast as a full-time housewife on beverly hills and they didn't want me to talk about that <gasps> i know i know first off that is not where i thought you were going especially because they fucking announced her before like at before she i feel like before she even started filming they announced her yeah and i think that they were just scared that it was too controversial maybe <laughs> maybe dumbest thing I've ever heard I'm sure you're right I'm sure you're right I'm sure you're right that question got cut and so I, I was a little disappointed but <sighs> I got it in there I was like you know I'm so excited for the new season of Beverly Hills we have Garcelle Bouvet 
making her groundbreaking uh entry into the real house like i i said it without like saying it and like the crowd went nuts and like everyone was like excited for garcelle but we didn't really get into the meat and potatoes of why it was so important that she was joining the cast so but uh, let me tell you what in, at 2022 BravoCon, that question would not be cut they would be like ask more yeah, they would frame a panel around, uh, you know, I think franchises that are uh, grappling with important integral feedback relating to a, a lack of diversity. Like, I think that there would be entire discussions framed around this. And it's um, that is so fascinating because you know what I think? It's so interesting because it did feel like an industry style. It felt like a panel for people who really wanted to know because there's like the glitz and glitter of having a panel with housewives but you know I remember talking to Brian Moylan about this because he was on the app I think immediately after BravoCon where we were talking about our experiences and he said if I remember correctly that those were his favorite panels of the entire weekend because it felt like that's what we want to talk about like we want to see the housewives and you can see them in other places and that's all that's great and amazing and fabulous but also we want to hear from the people who were we want to hear from the guy who escorted <laughs> kelly back to new york like we want to hear that we're and also because they have a perspective of being a part of seeing how these things operate from both worlds, like making sure that you're creating good story, but also what happens when the story is like maybe too good for TV. Right. And so my question to you is when that happens, when you're having that conversation over email or calls in advance of the event, but then also certainly day of, who are you having those conversations with? Is it with the producers who are like, maybe don't ask me about that? Is it with network reps or PR who are like, here is literally, I will come onto stage and grab physically restrain you, if you like say, or who's 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 producing the producers panel through the lens of like what story is allowed to be told so that's a great question so it's not the producers like I didn't have any communication with the producers beforehand I met them literally on stage and I will tell you like they were all great they all followed me on Instagram they we follow each other on social media they're just like such that. wonderful people I truly love them they like sent me like the sweetest like thank you notes like it was like they were tr such a solid group um Pros. but who I was taught so it was like it, it was conversations with network reps and this product like a live event production company yeah. that they hired sure. so I was kind of like talking to both teams and so like I think that I can't remember correctly but I think that it was the production company that I was in contact with the most but I'm sure that our communication was like somehow funneled to the network I'm not really sure I mean the network has always been great to me and like I've 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 been doing this for like over a decade and Bravo has always been like my main beat so like you know I'm friends with these people and, and they're wonderful and I know that they have a job to do um it's just so interesting to like see how far we've come in the changes that they've tried to implement in like the wake of all the socio-political discord and it's so it's going to be so interesting to see how they'll handle situations like this at the next BravoCon because like you said I truly can envision a complete possibly a whole like half day 
dedicated right. to inclusion and diversity and, and all that. So yeah, it was, it was like, I was kind of like hearing it from both the production company that was hired to do the live event and then also the network reps. But like, and I will say this, it's not like they're like, absolutely not. Like they didn't like get on the phone and scream at me. They just like sent me back their version. And that question was like mysteriously cut. <laughs> And I have to say that, you know, prior to COVID, my consulting work for several years was as an event producer. So I would produce large scale galas here in New York, small private events, celebrity, yada, yada. And it's not unheard of. In fact, as the event producer who's like running the show day of, you would be having advanced conversations with people about like, here's the content working on, you know, like there are people who like the kingmakers of New York at a certain point, I'm like, okay, it's you and me on stage during cocktails. And we're going to just like hit this out of the park. (laughs) But like there, it is a process. It's not unique to Bravo. So I don't want, you know, like, I think people understand that, but just to add in my two shekels, like it's, it's, um, it's something that is not unheard of to have uh, feedback, especially when you're dealing with a TV network and tens of thousands of people, <laughs> whatever, how many yes. people like walk through those, walk through those blessed doors. Um, when it comes to the upcoming BravoCon, which was just recently announced, what would your dream panel be? My dream panel, probably the Potomac panel. Like I love those women so much. I recently interviewed Karen Huger and she was just Mm -hmm. such a star like she just like gets it it's Mm -hmm. so crazy that we lived in a world where cameras didn't follow Karen Huger at one point like how how did that happen how like how was she not like it's just it's crazy that like Karen Huger was just like going about her business like shopping in Bloomingdale's in the Potomac Mall you know (laughs) like and and no one was watching it it's so nuts. So, I mean, yeah, a, a, like a Potomac panel would be really cool. Honestly, any of the housewives panels would be like such a dream. But I will say I had such a great time doing the producers panel that I would gladly hop on that again. Now that I'm at page six, I don't know where that would like place me in, in the world of, of BravoCon because I, I do cover housewives extensively. Um, but there wasn't really a page six presence at the 2019 event so we'll see what happens I mean maybe maybe they'll reach out maybe I'll like have to pitch myself again because <laughs> for the Hollywood Reporter like they came to me and I'll, I'll be honest at the Hollywood Reporter like I didn't really cover reality TV that much because it's just like not it wasn't our audience and I I would always try my best to like finagle ways to cover reality TV like for instance along with housewives i am a massive like pop girl stan britney spears is like my my everything she is just wow. she is my queen all pop girls are re- like wow. i i love all of them um even the really obscure ones who some may not remember including willa ford who if you don't remember also <laughs> had a starring role on scott disick's like home renovation i was gonna say her home renovation show which i was or his home renovation which i was very into I was into it. I was into it solely for the fact that Willa Ford was on it. Like I love her. And so I, I somehow bamboozled my way into like doing this like piece with Willa Ford for the Hollywood Reporter. Um, but, <laughs> but other than that, I really wasn't able to do much housewife stuff. So I was surprised when they reached out to me, but I think that they, you know, with me doing the panel, they knew that I would also write a story. So I think it was kind of like a, a win-win for everyone. They knew that like, I would love to do it. They knew that you get a nice little splashy story on the Hollywood Reporter. And so it all worked out and I'm, 
I was really happy with it. I mean, listen, this isn't the answer that you said, but I'm just going to put this out there. If I don't even know how they could do it and what decisions will be made by that point, but like Page Six is an honorary cast member on New York Housewives. I know. It would make a lot of sense right? for you to play a role in whatever the fuck panel. Like, I don't even know how they're going to be. How do you think? Because they're still going to be. Wait, it, we're in May, October. Decisions will be made at that point, but I still feel like it would be a little bit of an audition for these women. Uh, like, what do you think the timeline is going to be? Even in, I would think that they would have to have something before BravoCon decided when it comes to like who's on Legacy and who's on the new show. I would, maybe? I would hope so. But then Jill's out here saying she hasn't gotten a call. All the other girls haven't gotten a call yet. So I, I truly feel like they're more focused on the new younger yeah. version but yeah. I honestly yeah. feel like the OG reboot would be so easy to cast yeah. like it kind of just seems like there's probably I don't know maybe like five different scenarios and one of them I'm sure is like amazing and I'm sure that like literally everyone would say yes to whoever isn't whoever Bravo is thinking about so I don't know it's I feel like that would be so easy but maybe they also like want to give the audience like a bigger breath before the girls come back after such like a interesting season 13 <laughs> or maybe maybe they want to get the fans more excited for the new new york girls before like shoving ramon and luann back at us what's your dream do you have a dream cast for legacy um yeah i th i mean it's uh, like it changes safe space by the way safe space. okay okay safe space. <laughs> it changes but like i would love um, Luann and Sonia, I think they're wonderful. I think, uh, you know, Ramona is, is Ramona, but I, I was just talking to Carlos King and he was telling, oh, he's the best. King, literal King. He was explaining to me like why Ramona Singer is one of the top 10 greatest housewives of all time. And like, as much as like, she drives me nuts. I'm like, yeah, like she kind of, she kind of drives the storyline a lot of the times. Like she does bring the drama. You kind of like, you, you know, she, she's great for the show. So Ramona, Sonia, and Luann. I would like to see Tinsley back. I would love to see Dorinda back. And then I would love Jill and Kelly. I think that would be a great cast. I I don't know. Like, how do you feel about, well, Heather Thompson never going to come back because she like told page six that she was never going to talk about Housewives again. So she like took her bow. Although I wonder if her feelings have changed now that she knows a legacy show is in the work. Like, I don't know if she's going to come crawling mm. back. But like the Heather, Aviva... Kristen era I think I'm good on that yeah well I mean like what this is the this is my question about legacy and I don't know why but in the last two weeks for some reason I can't stop thinking about it is the purpose of legacy to create a show with great content that feels fresh or is it to celebrate housewives archetypes? Because when I hear you say that Carlos King, the literal king of housewives TV, the man who made Atlanta what it is for many, many years among many, many other successes. When I hear him say that Ramona is one of the greatest housewives of all time, top 10, I don't disagree with him, but I wonder what's the point of legacy? Mm. Because I don't think she still is. I think in the history books, regardless of how you feel about her, of course, she's a very important housewife. But 
what's the point of legacy? Is it to say these were the people who created the show that became the thing and let's see what they're doing now? Or is it to create good story? Because if it's the latter, I, I genuinely, regardless of how I feel about Ramona, blah, 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 I don't know that she would be a part of that. Yeah, I bet Bravo's still trying to figure that out too, like what it is, like whether it's a celebration of their, you know, what they contributed to Housewives history or if it's like these like new storylines that they're looking to explore. I mean, I have, or maybe it'll be like a hybrid of both and they're just like trying to figure out how to do that. I mean, do you have any dream? Oh, Alex McCord also. I would like, it would be my dream if Alex McCord came back from Australia like Jill Zarin style into some sort of vacation. She's like, <laughs> comes back with a, with an accent and some just- <laughs> With a new <yeah>. one. <laughs> I would, I yeah, Alex McCord should be there. Although I think that's highly unlikely, but do you have any like, yes, they need- I mean, she has said explicitly, there's literally no way into stop calling. So I feel like, which is such a disappointment because I remember when they were losing their minds- over the fact that you could see the back of her dress in Sunday styles and you know that it's still an honor to be recognized even though no one saw her face like and p.s I would be doing the exact same I literally when I found out that AG was in the printed I hauled ass to my corner you were Alex McCord I was absolutely Alex McCord in that moment with that leopard print and we can't even get into the off-season vacay put all our money into this scene moment but it's why we love her um uh yeah I don't know it's it's what it's something that I'm like struggling with and I I am one of those people who's terrible at casting and top whatever's Uh if you ask me for my top three I'll give you 700 names on a short list (laughs) but like I just feel like Jill is I I don't know like I I, it's like I see Jill there (laughs) before I see anybody else but it's also like I don't know it's it, it's sort of the di- this is a, a weird sidebar but it's sort of the difference to me between the girls trip iterations like we have girls trip OG all stars whatever you want to call it which is like women who are very successful current or like current but on their way mm-hmm. out housewives who are having fun amidst a lot of wealth and like sure things happen but it's like a breath of fresh air. We're all celebrating being Housewives fans while watching these women be who are genuine all-stars. And Ramona was one of right. them. And then there's what's happening in the Berkshires, which is like women who are overall desperate to return to their shows. No disrespect. Love that desperation for them. Love <laughs> that journey. But it's a lot darker and more chaotic which is how it was created it feels like it is the you know we're still wanted they still want us to be a part of this but it's not all stars Mm -hmm. but it's still this thing and you're still back on tv but it's going to be wild and berserk and I just kind of look at that and I look at that trailer and then I just think for legacy I'm like okay which of the girls trips are we making legacy into because they are both very specific and there is an enormous divide. Right, right. No, yeah, that's such a good point. Are you excited for Girls Trip season two? I love how excited everyone else is for it. I have to say that I loved All Stars. I just thought 
this is what I want. I want it to be light. Oh. I want it to be fun and enjoyable. I want them to be at a multi-million dollar yada yada. And the fact that this show is at like Dorinda's house is so funny <laughs> to me and so spot on. But I think the cast is insane. And I get that's why they were. I just think it's going to be real weird and like real dark and all of these. If you thought that, you know, people visiting Dorinda's Berkshire's at the Berkshire's had a couple too many glasses of wine, this is going to be that times a million. It's just like everyone double fisting a craft. So like, I don't know. I, I will watch every episode 80 times and I fully support it being there. I just think it's going to be really dark and chaotic. And it's like at the end of the day, that's a specific mood th- to be in and see. I think that Andy Cohen described it as as his like dark twisted fantasy, which is very much like yes. how it feels. Like just from what we know already, what's been reported, like we're fighting over dead husbands on the COVID vaccine. So like, you know, <laughs> it's definitely, good. it's not going to be that light, easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl right. feeling that season one had. <laughs> season one was just like candy. It was like, it yes. was just so like, mm. So good. I think this one is going to have a little bit more bite to it. Um, But, Mm -hmm. but I'm excited. I mean, it's going to, it's going to be like a a very dark summer. (laughs) What? And it's June 23rd. I want to say, did I pull that out of my ass? mm -hmm. Somewhere or yeah. I just, I, uh, I'm nervous about how dark it's like the fact that Taylor's a part of this and she's not even like the fifth topic of conversation when it comes to like, Ooh, like, tough stuff like just just in terms of her personnel I've just it's and why is Eva there I it's so chaotic it's so chaotic, it is really chaotic. I yeah I wonder I wonder um, if they'll keep doing yeah, this like me. I wonder like if like season three is already in the works like or maybe they're just waiting to see how season two dark twisted fantasy style goes to see where what they should do next well I feel like my question is how is legacy gonna fuck up girls trip Mm. because at a certain point are they going to do more girls trips are they going to be franchise specific and have legacy um beverly hills i don't even know how you would do that because i feel like it would actually impede maybe it is new york specific because it was it would impede existing franchises otherwise especially like potomac where the cast is overwhelmingly ogs like you can't do that it only works i guess with new york or, or New York would be one of the franchises that work because they have had so many people leave the show. I don't, or because they're already, they're resetting it to begin with. So the current show no longer exists. Yeah. I feel like New York is like so specific, like how things have just sort of like crumbled. I feel like they're pioneering the the crumbling of a housewives <laughs> franchise. I think, I truly think that like this will happen to every franchise at some point. Mm. New York's expiration date was just like the quickest. Yeah. I mean, it was like the, at a certain point, it's you have no other choice but to rebuild or close up shop. Mm-hmm. It's wild that that happened for New York before it did Orange County, but it doesn't mean that was the wrong. Well, I kind of think it was the right I kind of feel like Orange County is next. <gasps> really? I, I'm one of the I think I'm in the minority on this, which I'm happy to be in. I really enjoy this last season was like. I did. Well, I, I liked how light and dumb it well, was. I was into no, it. No, I'll say that too. I personally, I I enjoyed it. I absolutely love Noella. I loved that Heather was back, and I loved that we were fighting over like people being jealous of friendships. Like that, it was just like a nice reprieve from like the Jen, Sean, Erica, Jane of it all. Um, but for whatever reason, 
the I feel like most of the Bravo fandom, they're now used to like lawsuits and and cheating and this and that. And so like now fighting over, you know, trips to New York and, and whatever they were fighting on the season of Orange County, it, it like doesn't do it for them. You know, it's like they're immune to that kind of drama. Now. It doesn't excite them in any way. But for me, and like you said, like it just it felt like a nice break. Uh, totally. And I feel like the thing with Beverly Hills, for example, is that like they'll, there will be season long arcs about a whisper campaign relating to does this person really like me? Are they a real friend? And for me, that can get old, stale, whatever. But also, I think it really works because there are stakes here. Even if they're magnified, somewhat artificial because of the show, whatever, it is still does this person like me? And then you think of the whisper campaign on Orange County this season, which was like, did this person joke about wanting to have more fun at a dinner party versus, and it doesn't, the Worcester campaign like doesn't quite work at the level of others, but it was also stupid. And I feel like we really are survivors of what Kelly Dodd. And so I'm like, it's cool. Just do whatever. Right. I, I support yeah. you. Honestly. Like I will watch no matter what. So keep going girls. Keep going girls. I do have to shift gears a little bit because I love this combo and I love the discussion about archetypes and the value that certain OGs could bring to the franchise or exist within the community of housewives, but like having also a little bit of a reckoning of where do we currently stand on the show. And I think of New Jersey because I feel like there's so much of a conversation happening right now about darkness in narrative arc and the connection between that and essentially Teresa an OG of OGs and I was curious for how you reacted to and felt about the reunion part one okay so I was talking to my friend about this earlier I I really feel like Teresa is stuck in like 2009 and Mm -hmm. she hasn't there's, there hasn't been a lot of progression for Teresa and the world has progressed. The Housewives franchise has progressed. And this season was like a very rude awakening to see like, wow, this woman has not changed at all in like a decade because she's out here body shaming as she's trying to sell leggings, but that doesn't work make it make sense and then on the reunion she's coming after Jackie for crying all season which Jackie was out here overcoming a massive struggle being vulnerable and sharing with the world how she's dealing with her eating disorder which is so brave and admirable and then for Teresa to make that comment like mocking her for crying all season when like you know why she was crying the only the only excuse I could think of for Teresa is that she doesn't watch the scenes she's not in like Mm. so maybe maybe she didn't know but if you knew she was crying you probably knew what she was crying about so I don't know it's just it's very disappointing and it's actually crazy to see I feel like the the fandom just from what I've seen in the polls on watch what happens live and stuff I've seen on Twitter I kind of feel like people are getting over Teresa are they? That's, I, that's what I feel like like I've seen a lot of people like on social media being like she needs to go like her time is up but she's also out here saying I'm not leaving ever till like she's she said right. she's riding it out and so I don't know I, I 
I really think that Andy Cohen is so fascinated by Teresa Judice mm-hmm. and like honestly really loves her. And so I don't, I just, I can't see a world where she wouldn't be on the show, but it's interesting to see that there is like a, a loud portion of fans who are over her BS. I mean, I get that when it comes to like season content and also who she is as a person, which like there is a lack of processing here. Like we're we are still stuck in 2009, 2010. Melissa herself said we are now debating. We are continuing to debate things that happened a literal decade ago. Like we've got to move on. And her lack of processing and her inability to do that to sort of understand another person's perspective can be maddening during seasons. But I have to say, I watched that reunion when she grabbed Andy's hand, when she was like, like, I forget if she was railing about Marge or Melissa. I think it was Melissa. And she was just physically holding him close to her while she's trying to explain to him that Melissa is not a good sister-in-law. I, there was something about it that I just couldn't stop laughing. Because I just thought, like, this is insane. Like, this is, but it's also, she comes alive at a reunion because there's a certain amount of, like, okay, you refuse to acknowledge this stuff, but that is the literal purpose of why we are here. So it magnifies everything. And then you have Andy there, who is like a reasonable human person. And also speaks her language. He's he knows how to translate to her, but you can't ever get through it. I don't know. I thought it was like very enjoyable and nowhere near as dark as previous family drama. Yeah, I that's a good point. Even though like yeah, Jersey has been real dark at Tough. some points. <laughs> um, some of the darkest things we've ever seen on any. Franchise, yeah, 100%. but at this reunion, it was kind of like. You know, I, I totally just like shat all over Teresa, but I will say it like she I mean, how can we not? <laughs> she did bring this sort of like nostalgic vibe to the reunion that I really appreciated. Like I did I I mean, even though like her mind hasn't progressed beyond 2009, 2010, it was nice to feel like the show was like back in that vibe. For a little bit I don't know it's it's weird like I feel like with with housewives it's like I want them to do better but I don't because when they're bad it's good tv it's just, it's it's weird it, I I like I go to bed thinking about what's going on in Teresa's head <laughs> as you should yeah. that should be that should be the very last and first things that we think about <laughs> at the end and beginning of each day uh someone has to she's not um you know, there's something that a uh, friend of the pod, Sam Bush, Bravo historian, I think it was it was Sam, but I'm going to credit her regardless, said on social that I thought was so interesting. And I think it was Sam. Something along the lines of like the f- the argument that we're seeing play out is Teresa being upset about the show and Joe and Melissa being upset about real life mm-hmm. and the ways that they are referencing things, the way that her counter was, you're not even on my couch the way that they're trying to talk about, you know, seating at her engagement party, which sounds superficial, but really to me isn't. It's incredibly symbolic. And she seems to be stuck on the like, 
Melissa, if you were a good sister-in-law, you would defend me on the show. Mm. I feel like until they're able to acknowledge the difference there, I don't know how this already very fragile situation could get resolved. Well, I feel like they're on their way because at least they've acknowledged that they actually don't like each other. Like, yeah, that's true. That is very big true. Big step. Very true. Yeah. So, so at least, at least we got there. So maybe that, maybe that's the next step. Maybe the reunion part two will be them figuring out, like, hey, like this is what you're mad about. This is what I'm mad about. Let's acknowledge it and, and figure this out. I mean, I doubt that will happen, but I think that's a really great point. I do think that they are upset about different yet sort of similar things it's hard to because it's like we all see Teresa most of us see her I think even a a lot of tree huggers see this and they just they they agree with her which is a totally fine at a certain point it's like we almost need tree huggers in this world (laughs) like because otherwise like it would just be this one person doing these things that like don't make sense like I feel like translation isn't the worst thing to have when it comes to tree as long as people are not completely insane online but saying essentially saying that your brother is a bitch boy saying these like terrible things about him saying that if you were a good sister-in-law you would just eat shit when it comes to literally anything that I do I'm not responsible for you should just take it you should just take it but then also saying if you are a good sister-in-law you would have canceled your wedding, which has probably been on the books for many, many months. Right. The second that I told you I was pregnant. It's it's a little insane. It, it doesn't make any sense. Also, I just, I, it's so frustrating when Teresa's like, you need to stick up for me. And then like, Teresa never does that for Melissa, like ever. <laughs> Literally never. So, so I, someone was joking that like, they faked the blackout because producers <laughs> were like, we couldn't find actual footage of Teresa defending <laughs> Melissa. So I don't know. It's such a, so it, I also love Melissa Gorga so much. Like I, mm. she, she just feels like home. She has that like cool older cousin energy. Like when I was a kid, yeah. she was like my, like, like she's like the girl I want to hang with. She's like who I want to be friends with. Like, I, I don't know. There's just something about her that I I really love. She's also like the voice of reason. Like you're watching this absolutely insane housewives franchise. And then she gets in the confessional chair and says exactly what you're thinking. How exhausting must it be at this point (laughs) to deal with Teresa on screen and off Teresa, who's upset that you developed real relationships with people who she's fighting with on tv she's mad that you are being seemingly a real person and not a cast member sister-in-law archetype like jen aiden it's really i would be so tired and to watch joe gorga say what you want about joe and how and the gia stuff which i think is complicated but to see him take every part of his body and be and try to be as patient as possible in saying like I don't want to fight with you I just want to be allowed to have a voice and tell you when my feelings are hurt and have that go nowhere that's tough yeah that's really tough but that's the thing like I feel like there's just no getting through 
to tree. Like it's I, I it's it's amazing that that Joe and Melissa have lasted this long. Like mm-hmm. dealing with her, I just I would have given up. They're very strong people. They're I mean you have to be. I just can't imagine. Because in some ways, their relationship off camera, in order to survive, has to be pretty superficial. It, you're go, you're seeing each other at dance competitions, you know, at family whatevers. It's on the up and up. You're going to the engagement thing, yada, yada, how are you? And then you're forced to reckon with this other really serious stuff on the show. But the balance... Because I think at a certain point, they wanted to be superficial on the show, too, just in order to survive the relationship with each other. But you can't. Right. Because in some ways, Teresa won't allow it. Yeah. You know, because like a part of a superficial relationship is saying like, no big deal. You know, you like hurt my feelings with this thing. Like, let's just acknowledge it and move on. Like, I don't think that has to be a deep conversation. She just won't do it. She's actually forcing them to get deep. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, it's like Teresa's world. And then Teresa's like, hey, Louie um, calls you all the time. And the counter is he's calling to talk about the show mere moments after she said, Louie had no idea that I was Teresa Judice. He, ha- he had no idea that there was any bad thing that comes from being associated with me, me a person who went to federal jail because of my previous spouse had no idea that there would be any stakes or any kind of anything with being the significant other of somebody on here. I mean, and he's calling to talk about, I mean, let's like pass the blue cheese, olive, <laughs> dirty martini. There is a little bit of a Brooks happening. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. I, I love that. Melissa came back with that. That was so interesting to hear. And it's just, I don't know, so indicative of who Louis is. I think he's fake as hell. I think he's bamboozling Teresa. I truly feel like Teresa thinks he's her knight in shining armor, but like he is not a good guy. Like where there's smoke, there's fire. We have all these like different reports out there about how he's treated exes, just how he is as a human being. And then he's out here like asking Joe Gorga like tips on how to navigate the real housewives world. And then like, I don't know, Teresa talking about like he's a private person he didn't sign up for this but then you see like the splash footage of them walking through New York City with like the mm. the two paparazzi that they called on themselves and it's just like so frustrating and yet if she wants to make this choice I mean it's like she does she's on a tv show where people are going to ask questions it just feels like maybe there are aspects of this that she likes like she wants to be with the showman at the end of the day it just so happens that his show is a very very different show than the kind of show previously produced and presented by her ex like she wants to feel something and for her the feeling that she has from him is positive like i we can't andy can't force Teresa to protect herself even when it comes to like signing a prenup which we all understand including of course Andy obviously it's just like at a certain point she's saying the choice of the prenup is a private one and so is her decision to be with this kind of man yeah I was actually because my favorite thing to do is I'm so I'm obsessed with astrology and so I like kind of like pretty much know all the housewife signs like by heart 
And I have an astrologer friend who actually works for the New York Post. She's like our our on on staff astrologer, Rita Rita Weigel. Rita Weigel. Wait, no, I know or Kyle. Do you Wait, know Kyle? I check Kyle Thomas. I don't know Kyle, but I check, including today, every single day. I check the New York Post daily horoscope. The former executive editor of the New York Times discussed the importance of the New York Post Daily Horoscope. Oh. I firmly believe that I live, I have made decisions over the course of my day according to what the, I don't know astrology. I, I only care about, but wait, the person, the woman's name is something, something. I look at it every day, um, something, something. Susan Brosnahan or something. I look at it literally every so day. So we have like a whole like astrology team. Um, I love but, that. So, I love but that. Rita, she's on the team and I was, I, I love to like ask her opinion about Sally Brompton. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she's also part of the astrology team. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Just uh, circling oh, back. No. Just, so, just <laughs> Sally, if you're out there, I really love your work. Okay. Continue. Uh, no, no. So like Rita, um, she, she's a great astrologer. And so I always ask her opinion about like relationships with Bravo celebrities, whether it's a romantic relationship or a, a friendship or just whenever I like have questions about like why this Bravo celebrity acted this certain way and how I think it relates to what their sign is she'll sort of like it's like break it down for me but the thing with Love Louis that. and Teresa they're both Tauruses and so they're gonna okay. just like they're very loyal but they're very stubborn and she thinks they're just gonna like lock horns and be like in it to win it for like ever like there's like no breaking them apart like they're just whether they're happy miserable whatever they are just gonna like stick together until the end so I mean at least she's found her like forever man whether he's a good one or not (laughs) I mean I have to say I have gone I am now at the New York Post Daily Horoscope guys I couldn't I don't know anything about astrology stuff and I am I've been obsessed with it for years this is and you said they're both Taurus Mm -hmm. they're Tori. Okay, great. So the daily horoscope for Tree and Louis for today is this is not the right time to watch what you say. This is the right time to speak up and let the world know what you think and how you feel. Remember, not all your friends, relatives, and colleagues are mind readers. So spell it out for I them. feel like both of them would absolutely love that horoscope. And they'd be like, yeah, we're going to speak our minds, Melissa. Joe. I mean, I feel like that's, I don't, I, I, there's like a certain amount of this Teresa stuff where I know that she feels like she's fighting for her love, but there are so many layers to it, which I know is sort of, it's one of those things where like Teresa may not acknowledge it. She might not see the world through a nuanced lens, but like, no, maybe not, maybe not. But I feel like that does exist. Like when she was talking about, you know, if you don't support literally everything that I do while I tell you every day to go fuck yourself, you're not a good sister. Teresa forgets that she is also a sister-in-law. She only thinks of Melissa right. as a sister-in-law. But when she says to Melissa, like, you know, I just don't, we're not as close. I don't talk to you as much as I talk to Louie. This is like a real tangent. Bear with me. There is a certain amount, I feel like the conversation about New Jersey is often based on a patriarchal structure of like, even the way that we see family, the role of the man in that relationship, uh-huh. the role of how these women's spouses treat each other and how Joe is looked at as often the exception to the rule, like, is very interesting to me. And I thought of how she thought of Louis's sister, 
in-laws and how she thinks of no how she thinks of Louis's sisters her soon-to-be sisters-in-law and how she thinks of Melissa and I wonder to myself I know that I think that at some point Melissa was like competition when she entered and that started a little bit of a breakdown but I wonder how much of the reason that she adores her soon-to-be sisters-in-law and looks at Melissa's whatever and and this might be just genuinely obvious is because she looks at her sisters-in-law not as human people but as symbols of Louie and she looks at Melissa not as a human person but as a symbol of Joe and there's a protectiveness and like some weird power thing there where because she has an incredibly gendered lens on relationships power the ways that quote unquote bitch boy which was coined by Jennifer Aiden but is used with some a, a certain amount of relish by Teresa to say that this is a woman's business but then treat women as symbols of the men she has in her lens as like representing or being representative of like there seems to be something there that makes me think she will always be closer to Louis's sister's because she doesn't look at them as human people. She looks at them as symbols and why she's always going to have something to say about Melissa because she's always going to have something to say about Joe. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, I'm, I'm following that. I'm seeing that and I'm feeling that, but I also feel like you should teach a college course on... <laughs> <laughs> on how to say things without literally any no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> I love no honestly that's that's such an interesting thing that you bring up like how like I don't know just like g- gender roles and and the real housewives of New Jersey no I think that's so true I think you make a really good point there I think that Teresa has like I mean kind of like a misogynistic view of of the world totally. where like it's absolutely like the man runs the show and it's so funny because we've seen melissa over these past couple seasons really fight against patriarchal ideology because she is gonna walk the red carpet on her own she is gonna run her business she is gonna like she doesn't really need joe and and i love that melissa again has progressed where Teresa has not and it's for me the Teresa stuff totally agree and i feel like the Teresa stuff it's it's like not just about the ways that she navigates the world it's like the ways that she refuses to acknowledge that people have the ability to like self-determine how they want to hold opinions and speak back like she doesn't it feels like she struggles even though she seems perfectly fine and able to put together an opinion and a feeling usually based in anger or defensiveness like she doesn't she doesn't look at other women as being complete people on their own they're always attached well yeah dolores couldn't even get an invite to the engagement party because she wasn't dating anyone at the time so there you go that's the confirmation yes and having that be so literal they're couples they're couples we hang out with. It's not Andy. It's it's couples. <laughs> so like, ma'am, like, but she's all, Dolores has bent over backwards to at the least transcribe for the group mm-hmm. what you're trying to communicate, at least 
and at best defend some indefensible stuff yeah. or at least explain it. And you're saying because she doesn't have a formal boyfriend or whatever, she's not a they can't get a solo seat. They only come and choose. Is this like the Noah's Ark of engagement? Right. Like she should have been able to come on her own or she I mean, she would have brought Frank anyways. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, this is like the wild thing. It's like, she isn't a couple with her ex-husband. Right. I also wonder if there's like something that we're not seeing as viewers. Because there there were like all these like rumors among the Bravo blogs Mm -hmm. about this apparent demise of Dolores and Teresa's relationship. So I wonder Mm -hmm. if the excuse that Dolores wasn't in a couple was like a cover-up for something else that happened. There was just, you know, even though there was physically distance in between them. Jennifer Aiden was in the middle of these two. It felt on part one of the reunion, it felt like there was just like a, a, like a wall between them. I don't know. It felt like they were just like not connecting how they normally do Teresa and Dolores. Um, Such a great point that I totally agree with. And also, so I don't, I don't delve super deep into the like rumor mill. Cause I just think, it's exhausting. There's always something. And not to say that I don't enjoy when something is like shared with me, but like I don't, that's not, I don't really, it's, it's a lot. It's like it gets into like a niche territory, but which is perfectly fine and good. I just like at a certain point don't have sp- spiritual capacity yeah. for it. But I did see something about how this could be related to Dina, that it was allegedly word on the street was that Dina didn't want Dolores to attend because Dina felt that Dolores essentially knows too much or something but that feels like it's an engagement party that's not being filmed and it's Dolores Catania who we know can keep her mouth fucking shut right like how does that yeah like Dolores seems to be pretty ride or die but now that you bring that up Dolores was hanging out with Caroline recently and we know how Dina and Teresa feel about Caroline so maybe that has something to do with it Dina and uh, but sorry Dolores and Caroline have always kept a they relationship. Have. like they were very and I feel like at a certain point Teresa made peace with it because that's the only way I mean the I, hummus I commercial she's, right <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it, it, it gets into such a tangled web because these women have been in each other's lives mm-hmm. for so long. I mean, if we're going to talk about dark, dark chapters between the Gorga family, the fa- and by Gorga, I mean like Teresa's maiden name, Teresa and Joe, then we have to acknowledge the Manzos are a shit show. So I, I don't know how we navigate, plus all this shit recently about even Dina. It's just a mess. I know. And Caroline. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of fucked up. It is. It is. But I think when like, there's so much like familial connectivity, mm-hmm. that's when, that's when things really do get fucked up. And that's why I think Jersey has been so great for so long. And I mean, the ratings they get over a million every week. And that is just like in in 2022 in our, in our streaming culture, over a million every week is like absolutely phenomenal. Like the other girls are hardly breaking a million. And I feel like 
that might influence a little bit of some casting moves that are allegedly happening. What What's your response to the rumor mill saying that Jackie was allegedly demoted and there's like one of three new people potentially being introduced to the cast? How do you re- react to that as a journalist, <laughs> but also a Bravo-holic? Well, as a Bravo-holic, I am a little bummed because I feel like Jackie made herself so vulnerable this season. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like that should be rewarded. So it bumps mm-hmm. me off that she is going to become a friend of, I also enjoy anyone who is brave enough to go head to head with Teresa and Jackie 100%. consistently does that. If she is a friend of, I'm glad she's still in the mix. And I mean, maybe she'll be like one of those very involved friend ofs where they're in every single episode you know like when Luann was randomly a friend of for a season or Portia was a friend of or like there actually have been like some very iconic housewives who have done friend of seasons so or I mean Marlo she's been a friend of since the dawn of time so I don't know I maybe maybe she if she is going to be demoted maybe she can come back to full-time status in the future but as a journalist, I will say it's very frustrating because Bravo is so, so, so tight-lipped about casting. So like, mm-hmm. even if we hear something, we have to rep call it to Bravo and it's always no comment, which I completely understand. They want to have their their splashy announcement and keep things under wraps. So when it comes to like casting stuff, because we know we're not really going to get anywhere with it, we're, it's, it's always like a, a we have to like make that decision, like whether it's like worth like running a story because things change so much. Like, yeah, this woman can be testing for, for the show, but she might film one scene and then Bravo's like, she sucks and she doesn't make it. Or, you know, like so, so many things can change. And if like Bravo's like not going to like help us out with confirmation, then it's kind of like a tricky place to be in. Also, look at the like the Tracy Accord. This woman was uh, now you'll remember this certainly being in the industry. Uh, so please feel free to fact check me and tell me to go fuck myself if I'm wrong <laughs> with this. But like I feel like I remember her being announced with like a big splashy yada yada. And of course, due to the fact that many people know who Tiki Barber is, and she was a friend of, but like she not coming back like it, it, it sometimes these announcements you don't really know I guess until you're filming or even after that until the story comes together where someone's role will actually land totally actually going back to BravoCon I remember both Sutton and Garcelle like it was like a known mm. thing and this is this was before Sutton's first season as a friend of and when I spoke to Bill Langworthy um and Bill Fritz, Bill Fritz, Bill Fritz was Beverly Hills. Bill Langworthy was Orange County, I think. There are two Bills and I'm getting them confused. Anyway, the, the Beverly Hills producer, <laughs> when I mm-hmm. spoke to him about Garcelle and Sutton, like they, like he was talking about Sutton as if she was like full time. Like he, like the, the way he spoke about Sutton, like mm-hmm. he was very excited about her um, and said she was like bringing a lot to the show, blah, 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 whatever. And then, you know, the announcement comes and she is a friend of and as you know we all know now it's because like there were like her husband didn't want the kids filming and that can really impact right. things um but yeah so it just yeah things can things can change you never know what's going to happen I wonder like sometimes I wonder if like women have filmed entire scenes seasons and then have been like completely edited out 
I feel like we have seen that. Yeah, like that has, and how would that, I mean, that must really suck. That's, I, you tell your friends, like, this is a guy. Like, I'm a housewife. No, ma'am. You're not. <laughs> but, you're, ma- but ma'am, no, no. Like, you're not holding shit, and that's not because you're on Potomac, and they just don't happen to hold things. Oh, no, wait, Potomac does. New Jersey doesn't happen to hold things. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Can I ask, what the fuck is happening in Beverly Hills? Surely any insight into some weird shit going on with Crystal and garcelle or something or what is happening with sutton tell us you get so much access to so much info and you talk to these women on the daily can you please speaking of gossip speaking of niche by the way (laughs) what's what's happening so i was at sutton's uh launch party for her new cashmere line at her sutton (laughs) boutique in west hollywood on tuesday and it was um Oh it was God. a fun time. The champagne was flowing. We were doing caviar bumps. It was it was a fantastic time. And caviar uh-huh, bumps. Uh huh. It was actually the first time I've ever <laughs> had caviar, and it was like, oh, is it good? It was good. Yeah, it was like buttery, and it was good. It's re- and it's obviously really good on a cracker. But with the bumps, you just like you put it on your like, what is that? Your hand right here. Thumb. Your thumb or knuckle? Yeah, you know, knuckle? knuckle. Oh my god. You put it. I'm I'm like Teresa Judice. I don't even know how to say like. <laughs> welcome to every day of my life so you put the the caviar on your knuckle and then you just like take it like a shot and like I was with like me and my boyfriend were there and we were with some random woman and she like we like cheers their knuckles and then did the anyways that's that's beside the point the exciting part of this party was that Garcelle and Crystal showed up and they were of course having like the best time with Sutton like the girls were getting along they were not fighting which was interesting because on the legendary two teas in a pod podcast like the day before (laughs) crystal was on there and she said that her biggest fight this season was with garcelle which i thought was really interesting so then like i of course like went up to garcelle and i was like you know between us and my my phone is recording this garcelle (laughs) (laughs) i am a literal journalist which is between us what is that about like what can you tease what can you tell me and so she was telling me that it was it pertained to a question she had about Sutton and now she Sutton and Crystal are all good but then when I watched the trailer again it all made sense because there's this moment in the trailer where Garcelle tells Sutton you need to be careful about your new little friend so even though they're like the dream team power trifecta that they are apparently there is some discord and drama that happens between the three of them this season which is uh interesting to say the least i can't wait to see what happens there i'm glad that they are able to come together again in present time because i do love the three of them together i i just wonder what it was about so i'm like assuming that obviously crystal and sutton went what went through what they went through and now they're obviously very close and I'm sure maybe Crystal said something about Sutton that Garcelle heard and you know Garcelle likes to keep it real so maybe Garcelle went to Sutton and was like Crystal's talking smack about you but you know Garcelle keeps it real and what I will say about Crystal is that she like also seemingly keeps it real like I find her to be a very authentic person this was the first time I ever met her was at Sutton's event and we're both Aquarius, so maybe it's like an Aquarius thing, but she was just like so cool. Like, she, like 
she was just cool. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> I asked her about Erica coming for her saying, you think you're cool for defending the victims. And Crystal's so funny. She was like, yeah, it is cool. I'm the coolest. So I appreciated that she could like poke fun at herself. And I don't know. She has, I feel like she just has a good attitude about everything. She does. She has a sense of humor about it. And it's just like, it's where I get into like my selfish mode of like, no, 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 none of you. We have an agreement as a collective that you guys are always best friends and good allies because at a certain point, Beverly Hills can get so easily swallowed up by Erica Jane being a monster and <laughs> Lisa Rinna thinking she's fun. And so it's t- like this whole st- the shit that Lisa's doing right now, referencing Elton John, the working through the seating stuff. Again. I'm about to interview Sutton, and so I like I have questions. <gasps> <laughs> I just want to know, like, why is Rena going so hard? Like, why does she care? It, like, why is this? Why is this like the the hill that she's gonna die on? Is this Elton John event? Yeah, and at a certain point. I mean, is this all there is with Rena? Like, we need that energy, but it's just exhausting. Like, it's exhausting seeing her prance. Like, I, you're not, this isn't cheeky fun. It's just, we've seen it so many times. And instead of doing real things, like that other people are doing, including Crystal, obviously including Sutton and Garcelle, having real conversations where there are real stakes, we're going to pretend that this whole seating thing at the Elton John Gala, which Lisa Rinna Instagram storied about yet again this week. Rinna, I mean, surely there's stuff going on in your life, right? Like, come on now. Like, there's stuff going on in your friends' lives, but we're going to pretend that the Elton John seating plan is the most important thing to call out. Yeah, it's so, so odd to me. And also, I'm not really even sure what, was this like 2019 or like 2016? Like, when was this? I think it was 2019 at one point yesterday i think it was yesterday every day is an absolute century but she posted like all the photos of her at the elton john events through the years and was like sutton didn't wasn't involved in any of these and it's just this all happened because you were a dick to garcelle saying that her thank you wasn't thank you enough <laughs> yeah. even though her your husband said it truly doesn't matter right. i am a normal person i just a gift is meant to be presented as such. It is not. And wasn't it like a bowl of chili? It was a jar of sauce oh. <laughs> that Garcelle acknowledged and thanked yeah. her for. She just didn't follow up over print, right. which wasn't necessary. And yet we're pretending like, I don't know if we're going to look at like the book of good manner yada. I don't know. I just think like, saying victims suck is maybe worse than not getting a thank you text mm-hmm. over a jar of sauce i would i would agree with you who's to say it's the it's the wonderful complicated world in which we so love to live listen evan real i die for you i could talk to you about housewives forever and ever amen i'm such a fan of yours i hope that you are and i know that you will be a shining star at bravo I hope. in october can you tell the folks where to where to go to read and or watch your upcoming interview with sutton and um how to follow and connect with you online yeah i mean so you can go to page 
Instagram.com. You'll see all my work there. Got a little author page over there. And then um, you can follow me on Instagram. I post a lot of my work there at Evan Real. And I just want to point out that Real is my last name. A lot of people think that my Instagram handle is like Evan, like Evan Real is like Evan Official. Like, <laughs> Evan Official. And it's like... <laughs> um very very embarrassing uh but yeah it's just evan real my last name is really real and then you can follow me on twitter evan underscore real but i'm really boring on twitter and i'm just i'm not like i'm just not i'm not good i'm not good at twitter um so actually don't worry about that just follow me on instagram i mean honestly being good at twitter is like is that something we should aspire to? I feel like if you're boring on Twitter, it's like you're doing Twitter right. <laughs> you're one of three people who is surviving it in probably a good way for your soul. Um, Guys, you know what else is good for your soul? Joining the Andy's Girls Patreon because you get exclusive bonus episodes and invites to special Zoom kikis and more. Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. New bonus episode going up shortly and I would love to hear from you. Send me your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns which in the Andy's Girls universe, we like to call Satch's a gold <laughs> named in honor of her holiness Kelly Clorn Ben Simone you can DM them to me on Instagram at Dame Galley that place you should um, also be on anyway and uh, give me a little follow or email me long form thesis at Andy's Girls Show um, at Andy's Girls Show at gmail.com and I also just want to say mazel of the day shout out to OG of the AG Damian Bellino who um, directed a four part drag race special that started on VH1 last week. Um, I'm so proud of Damien, and he got his first DGA points, the Directors Guild of America, and I just am so proud of him and highly encourage that people support uh, Damien, someone who's very important to all of us in the EG community, by watching that Drag Race special, um, especially for those of us who like maybe don't watch drag race every time but love it and know that it's going to be uh quite a fabulous um show to see um and so there's that shout out to damian bellino and on that note evan real thank you so much for coming on this was a total oh my god yes thank you this was like the best way to kick off my friday and guys newyorkpost.com daily horoscope yeah you gotta check it out you do you gotta check Mm -hmm. it out it's real good. Let it guide you. Let it, let it guide you as it does every day <laughs> for me. Uh, we'll talk to you later, guys. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.